0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Roy Thomas, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is Avengers, Episode 2, I think actually just 2A. We're going to tackle the first half of the Avengers Epic Collection, Volume 2, Once an Avenger. This is covering a period of the Avengers from 1965 to 1966. I am your host, Curtis Findlay.
1: And I am your Avengers co-host, Chris Russ. Today we're going to be talking about Avengers 21 through 30.
0: Yeah, this is a very interesting period for the Avengers. It's, you know, going through these issues. I wasn't actually that much of a fan of a lot of the stuff that that happened here. I found a lot of it to be fairly run-of-the-mill, formulaic. Um, not offering the same sort of new and exciting things in each issue that we would get from like Fantastic Four or even from the first uh, 20 issues of Avengers.
1: Right. I would, and and I thought about that going into this episode, so I thought of some apologetics for this epic collection. <laughs> okay. <literally>. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so reasons to pick up this epic collection, because you're right and, you know, to be honest, this is not the greatest period in Avengers history, but this epic collection, not the issues we're talking about today, but the second part of this epic collection, yep. contains the start of Roy Thomas's run. So that is right up there with the Roger Stern runs and the Kurt Busick runs as being one of the most loved Avengers runs of all time. So if you want to get the start of that run, it's in this epic collection. Another thing is the the one part of this epic collection I really do love is the Kang story. It's a little cliche and formulaic, but it is fun and really cool. Um, And the the other real big highlight of this book for me is it really taught me the impact that an inker can have Mm. on the same penciler. The whole book is penciled by Don Heck, every single issue, which is kind of rare for an epic collection to have that consistency. But there are inks by Wally Wood, by um, a beautiful issue by John Romita, um, some Dick Ayers stuff in there, um, some, I think heck, there's heck a uh, Frank Giacoia. Yes, and Don Heck inking himself. And all of these inkers make his art look incredibly different. So it was very instructive for me as a fan of comic book art to see what impact that could have.
0: That's right. And I think the first half of this book is mostly mostly Dick Ayers.
1: Uh, yeah, Well, so there's it, it's mixed. So it starts out with two Wally Wood, and Wally Wood is one of the greatest draftsmen in comic book history, so that's right. awesome to see. And then a uh, Remita issue, and then a couple of Ayers issues, and then I think the rest is of, of the first half that we're going to be talking about today is just a run of Frank uh, Giacoya under various pseudonyms. Um, and oh, okay. <laughs> so he calls himself different things. So uh, Frank Ray is him. Frankie Ray is also Frank Giacoya. I don't know why he was using different names, like one issue after another, yeah. but and then obviously when he calls himself real name, that's it.
0: okay. Oh yeah, I wasn't, uh, I didn't notice that it was that many different people, but yeah, you do notice the fluctuating styles. And one of the one of the the reasons is because I think especially in the way that um, Scarlet Witch looks is so different yes. depending on how these different inkers draw, because they all draw great, beautiful women, but they all attack it mm-hmm. in a very different manner.
1: Very, very different. And and then the final thing I think that is appealing about this book is that the start of avengers is cool but stan lee basically uses it as a connective tissue to all of his different books and ties in their storylines and villains these issues kind of start to develop um, the Avengers as its own book, and some they kind of get their own recurring cast and subplots and themes and characterization. So it is even if these aren't the best issues, it is nice to hear see the Avengers getting their own personality.
0: And that was one of the things we mentioned in the in the last episode that we recorded was when they did the switchover. Uh, Stanley fills his team of Avengers here with characters that don't have their own book and right. therefore don't get that sort of character development, Um, all of the character development for Thor and Iron Man and Giant Man, they were all happening in their own titles and therefore they were very stagnant characters in the beginning of Avengers. Um, I would also say that in these first uh, 10 issues in this epic collection, all of these new characters as well, Quicksilver, Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch and even Captain America, they're all fairly stagnant characters here too. It isn't until we get to issue around issue 29 and 30 where we start to see some progress. Progress being made with actual character right. development. Um and, and that's one of the things I don't like about these first ten issues in this epic collection, issues twenty one to thirty, is that most of their time is spent
1: bickering with each other. And like that's <laughs> yes.
0: it. It got old so fast and it just kept on doing it for issue after issue.
1: That's correct. Yeah, it's and I think one of the reasons for this is a lot of people um, at this point so this is about four years into the Marvel Universe yep. um, so, so Stan Lee has his hands full at this point and the general consensus we don't know for sure is that he turned over a lot of the plotting at this point especially to the artists so Don Heck a guy who's a, he's a talented draftsman but maybe not the most experienced um, of a plotter or a writer yep. he's suddenly shouldering all of this plotting duty um, that this kind of extreme shift to the Marvel method is, is requiring of him so it takes takes him a little while, I think, to kind of get his bearing in terms of doing
0: that. I definitely have some examples where I feel like Stan is trying to write dialogue to compensate for the artwork.
1: Yes. Yep. Yep. There'll <laughs> be characters who'd be like, "The reason why this character didn't run down the hall with us is because <laughs> yeah, they exactly. decided to." Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing you really need to know going into this uh, epic collection is that the lineup of the Avengers has recently shifted away from the powerhouse characters mm-hmm. to the Kooky Quartet. So Captain America, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye. Um, so it's kind of this uh, B-list sort of a lot of former villains on the team with Captain America having fairly recently come back from being in suspended animation in the ice. So um, just that we, it used to be a very powerhouse team with Thor and Iron Man and is now shifted away to this uh, kind of strange depowered version. Of- hmm, yeah,
0: well, I have some Facebook comments that I want to bring up, uh, but but before we do that, I just want to say that this epic collection was published in uh, 2016, and it was done by, uh, who's the printer on this? Uh, LSC Communications, it is done in the old style of Epic Collections before they started changing the paper stock and changing the, the way that they, they printed these books. Reading this one, after having read a couple of the more recent Epic Collections that have been released, this one just feels like a good, solid book. Like the yep. actual construction of the book feels so much nicer than the, the newer ones that they're putting out. And that is a combination of yes. it being just a paper that has more bulk to it So it, and, and the cover stock is a lot lot more coarse and I feel like there's just even um, a a better better corners to the to the spine and and that kind of thing (laughs) just yeah I
1: have young kids and they've looked through this this, my particular copy a lot and and young kids are not necessarily always they're not concerned with mint condition at all so and my book is still in great shape even after it's been kind of beaten up and dragged around the house a lot so it's still holding together really well yeah
0: (laughs) yeah I like it and I think the my only complaint is uh, unfortunately the the binding is really tight so we get some uh, it's not gutter loss because we don't really have uh, double page spreads in this collection or anything. But um, but the, the Golden Age or the the early Silver Age size of comics was wider, and so mm-hmm. the when you when you ha- put those pages on uh, when you squeeze those pages into a standard a standard for today size of a comic collection, um, you find that the panels are inching toward the gutter a lot more than a, a, than an epic collection that collects more modern work.
1: Right, it's a little tight. It's certainly not unreadable or anything nope not unreadable
0: but it is it is tight mm-hmm. and so you do have to i don't know open up a little wider
1: mm-hmm.
0: some comments from Facebook and from Twitter I asked on all my social media platforms for people to give some comments about this particular volume of the Avengers and over on Twitter uh, Richard says four against the flood tide one of the most memorable covers and titles ever you like that one
1: yes let's see here which that's one of the Atuma issues is that correct uh,
0: yes it is oh. issue number of 27
1: ah yes yeah I like that one and, and a lot of these covers are drawn by Jack Kirby I think this is one of those Kirby. Curf- covers as well yeah Yo. Oh, yeah you can, and you can see the look. All the octopus cur- looming in the background <laughs> and
0: the kirby crackle in the water to make the, the shadows of the water yes and yeah yep, definitely exactly. those faces on cap and it's definitely a kirby cover it is a good one For yep. four against the flood tide is great too just the alliteration in the title sounds good
1: yeah yeah sometimes uh sometimes uh stanley would hit it out of the park with those i, I remember reading a lot when especially when i was a little kid and they all sounded like these faux shakespearean and there were references <laughs> to things i didn't know about and i was in awe of every single one of them That's when I was a kid
0: <laughs> lo there cometh the whatever
1: <laughs> exactly I was like oh this is sophisticated that's it. <laughs>
0: Um. Uh, someone by the handle Bronze Age Babies says it's an era of the team where characterization shines we see growth in Hawkeye as well as Hank Pym Captain America has, as he has always been is the glue that holds it all together Uh. yeah even he lets that slip a little bit in one of these issues doesn't quite hold it all together but uh, But yeah the characterization yeah. Uh, you can see that like I said coming up toward the middle of this epic collection
1: yep. Bronze Age, ba- Age Babies is a fantastic uh, like, blog and Twitter oh, yeah. account I would recommend following them if anyone has not they have some awesome stuff
0: definitely and let's see Estadio Retro says the return of giant man now Goliath and the wasp were awesome yeah it was great to see these returning characters Mm -hmm. and we'll get into that and the tragic tragic return of Goliath which we'll
1: talk about yeah (laughs) very
0: cool very cool stuff yeah let's see here one more comment Arcturus the moo cow (laughs) says uh (laughs) Considering it started with Cap leading a group of young, if skillful, Avengers, I would say it's awesome. The original founding Avengers were a tough act to follow, and they fought the toughest enemies and still won in the end. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, nice comment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then on Facebook, Lucas has a different opinion. He says, flat out, I think it's boring, and Heck is, a t- is <laughs> terrible at action scenes. Lots of silhouettes with explosions off panel.
1: Mm. I, yeah. So I, there's there's moments in these where Heck has a lot of like mid shots, and things look a little Flat, but there are parts where he really gets going, and we'll see some of those in this issue. So I think it's I think it's a mixed quality. But um, I didn't notice. We'll, we'll kind of get into those details.
0: I didn't notice the silhouettes and explosions off-panel. I um I'll have to pay attention to that as we're flipping through here. But I didn't really uh, think that they were that terrible. I did think they were a little boring at times, though.
1: That is true. Yeah. There was a lot of the weird quicksilver silhouettes, the kind of shaky true. line, kind of. <laughs> well, that was for a, purpose, was a specific for purpose. Yeah. Right. Right. Last right.
0: comment here. Frank says I. I felt this volume took forever to really start. Uh, first, the short lineup is not is not so great, and then some of the plots are really passe and silly. Anything Cold War, for instance. Oh, and the stories are sometimes so verbose. Art-wise, Don Heck is a hit and a miss depending on the inker. That's what you were saying. And right. Then when Busema starts, and even with the early issues by Coletta, it's quite different. And the few issues where he did full pencils are stunning. The stories get better toward the end with the Masters of Evil and Ultron. That would be in the next volume, I think, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for the comments.
0: Yeah, thank you for writing in and uh, pay attention to our uh, Facebook page and, and uh, Instagram account and stuff for more opportunities to leave some comments. Yeah, let's jump into these issues now. Uh, starting with issue number 21 i'm just going to give a a short recap and then we can jump into our own comments uh number 21 is called the bitter taste of defeat and just in a nutshell the enchantress uses zemo's machine that he used to create wonder man to make a new villain and she calls him power man and he goes after the avengers (laughs) and they actually have a a whole plot where they frame the avengers for doing bad things around town to discredit them eventually leading up to their um disbanding
1: yes yeah um i think so this issue starts with one of the Avengers in the Avengers headquarters with a bay of machinery around them. And I counted, and <laughs> I think eight of the f- these ten issues we're going to be talking about today start like that. <laughs> um, so it gets a little repetitive. Uh, it gets better as the book goes on. Only 12 of the 20 issues in this book start that way, but that's a lot <laughs> that of, is- is- <laughs> of issues that start with an Avenger in front of a bay of Avengers machinery just kind of talking Um Uh, to themselves. I know you could at least
0: maybe make him start uh, in training sessions or something or yeah just like watching danger room type
1: situation yeah or yeah just having a cup of coffee or something
0: I mean it's not like Hawkeye (laughs) is doing anything in particular with this in the sheet right now in fact they make a big point with a huge arrow saying leave it to us to begin our tale in the most unlikely way with a prosaic shot of Hawkeye casually fixing a fuse like that's all he's doing
1: (laughs) yeah yeah he's like really into it he's how about that one faulty fuse he's yeah. <laughs> it's not the greatest start and that's one thing stanley does through this that really sets apart a lot of these silver age marvel books from the dc ones is that he'll repeatedly um kind of make fun of the comic um like when there's yeah. a point in here where he has some kind of lousy dialogue um like i think it's a tomb of saying oh they escaped again or something like that and he's like another great piece of dialogue from stanley <laughs> and and even in this issue the enchantress names um gives power man his name and he says it's corny as all get out um so it kind Kind of lessens the blow a little bit, but you would never see that in a DC comic. That's right, right now, yeah. Any of those Silver Age ones, and that I think that kind of winking uh, uh, language uh, was a big part of the Marvel appeal. So
0: this guy that turns into Power Man, Eric Jost, yes. Jostin. Now he's got a long career in the Marvel universe. He goes through a few different name changes, and um, I think most prominently these days. Actually, I don't even know what he's known for these days, but prominently in the 90s, he joined the, the Thunderbolts.
1: Right. Yep, uh, he was uh, he was Atlas, I think, in that. Yeah. Um, and then he, I think he was called himself Goliath. Um, and got big too at one point. He did. So he's pick- had a few different uh, name changes. Um, and here he starts out as a former henchman of Baron Zemo, who's just been in the jungle for months looking for this machine that turned Wonder Man into Wonder Man. The one big plot hole is that Wonder Man died because he didn't have the antidote to stop, because when he got his powers, you needed an antidote to keep the powers from killing you. And that's not even mentioned here. Uh, A lot of these plots you don't think too hard about. Uh, Maybe Enchantress, like, cast some spell that prevented the same fate from befalling or something like that.
0: Well, my big question here was how come this guy, like, the way that the dialogue is written and the way he talks makes us think that we've seen this guy before. That he's like, he was part of the big plot before and, like, but we've never seen him before I even had to go back to the old other issue just to make sure that I didn't see him he wasn't there
1: no no, like, yeah, he's just—I think he's just a random henchman of yeah. Zemo. But it, it definitely makes it seem like he was a second in command or somebody who we would remember. Far more. And, and Enchantress, I guess, has just been waiting for him for some like to get <laughs> yeah. to the machinery because she says this is the chance I've been waiting for. So maybe she's all seen or something. I don't understand exact, but yeah, it's I did a like the shaky.
0: plan that that they came up with with uh, framing the Avengers for these different things. I thought they did that in a nice, clever way that actually made sense and uh, and was interesting. That yeah. Was yeah, and
1: I like that they use the the city council being kind of um, kind of buffoons, and you know, it was it kind of foreshadowed other uh, other kind of civil war type of stories where here superheroes were shown to be too dangerous which is you know actually kind of true they did destroy property um, and so and the city council said no more Avengers at the end of this issue they're disbanded because yeah. they're a little too reckless which is not an unfair criticism I mean they did kind of destroy a lot of stuff in this issue yeah they did uh, even if they were tricked into doing this um, the the bickering that you talked about earlier is definitely present in this issue oh yeah uh, and, and in fact there's just a lot of talking in general I counted as well and 11 of the 20 pages are talk. Uh, it's a little, you know, it's, it's a rough count, but uh, that's a lot of just dialogue pages as opposed to fighting pages. It's
0: true, and I think, though, that Don Heck handles the talking better than he handles the action. Um, that's true. And I, so I actually didn't even notice that there was that much talking. I thought it was all well-staged and interesting, along with the subplots yes. and stuff, and I actually thought this was a great way to start this volume with a yeah. with a, with the bickering right off, off the, the get-go to understand where they are at a, as a team, because they are not right. really a great team right now. They're right, still they're learning. very dysfunctional. And then we have, um, right off the bat, they, they get broken up. So it's like, yeah this is an yep. exciting way to start the book.
1: Yep, yep and, uh, yeah, and then they're kind of they were kind of a mess before, now they're even more of a mess and it, it kind of looks like Enchantress and Power Man have the upper hand and you can't really see a clean way back from them. Uh, for for them getting back together so it's it's kind of nice tension for the next issue to resolve and um, and and like we had mentioned earlier Wally Wood he had inked the previous issue that was the last issue of the first epic collection he inks these two issues he's he's a kind of uh, a famous draftsman in comic book history Um, and he was at Marvel for a very short period of time most notably uh, at Marvel for his work on Daredevil Um, but he also did a few inking jobs this being one of them
0: I've read that Wally Wood when he came over to Marvel he came over to Marvel because because he was offering because Stan was offering him an extremely high rate because mm. he was one of the more notable people in the in the industry and was, his rate was way higher than everybody else's and mm. he was just uh, got to do kind of all these weird jobs too it's like inking a couple Avengers issues here and um, right
1: and I and he was even cre- on the cover they called him out on the the uh, I think it was issue 20 of the Avengers right. which I, an inker never gets called out on the cover of a comic book especially back then um, so that was kind of a no Edition, um, yeah. I, I also had heard that he didn't like working Marvel method. That was something <laughs> he really disliked. Right. Yeah. Um, which could I, I? You could understand that. You're basically having to do the writing and the plotting, you know, and and a lot of the uh, and then all the art on top of that. Well, maybe um, that's so why I he took up the might.
0: inking gigs then, because he wouldn't yeah. have to deal with the Marvel method if he's just inking. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah. I, overall, I think it's a fairly solid way to start the book. It establishes that they're a dysfunctional team. They got a lot of problems, and and uh, kind of puts them. In a, a hard hard place where they'll have to work their way out of it in the next issue. Yeah.
0: Okay, so well, speaking of the next issue, this one's called The Long Road Back. Do you want to give us a recap of this one?
1: Sure. Um, so, the Avengers, uh, having been forced to disband, um, they try to try and kind of fail to build new lives for themselves. Um, I think Scarlet Witch tries to be a singer. They, uh, they look into joining different uh, kinds of show business. Um, the, they end up uh, attempting to join the Circus of Crime. They don't know it's the Circus of Crime, somehow. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, also, Power Man and the Enchantress are still at large. And we see actually that Power Man's love for the Enchantress is kind of going to be his undoing in this issue.
0: Isn't that everybody's undoing? <laughs> it yeah. is for these first two Everyone's stories love in for here. Enchantress.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, yes, that that particularly. Yes, that's definitely a trend. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, again, uh, Stanley writing Don Heck with the pencils, Wally Wood on inks. Uh, the Avengers bicker a lot and their fighting actually turns physical at the start of the issue. issue. Yeah which you can understand if they're kind of, their team is falling apart. Um, so they're, you know, kind of on edge. Captain America feels like a failure as a leader of this team. He was entrusted uh, by Thor, by giant man, wasp and iron man to, to take this team and lead it. And it in very short, uh, short amount of time uh, that has not gone very well for him. So he, he's kind of understandably uh, upset. And I, I have a very soft spot for the circus of crime. I love them in the Spider-Man, yep. uh, their Spider-Man appearances. There's a, in the um, the modern the, one of the modern runs on Hawkeye, the Matt Fraction run. They make an appearance there that's actually just really incredible uh, uh, comic books. Um, so I would recommend checking that out highly as well.
0: They always appear in the oddest places and just pop up kind of wherever. Um, I know that there's yes. even a fill-in issue of Generation X where they battle the Circus of Crime that I read in Ooh, the Ooh, I have 90s. not seen that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love Captain America in this issue, putting on the disguise and uh, trying to, <laughs> (laughs) Like, this is... <laughs> he put, he dresses himself as this kind of um middle-aged guy who's with a briefcase and forces him into talking to Power Man saying that he's going to represent him or get him gigs or whatever and and uh, he records the conversation and yes. then reveals that it's and that's that it's him.
1: Yes, there's on page 38 of the epic collection. Uh it's page 13 of this issue in particular. There's this amazing panel where he's ripping off the suit of this like big businessman yeah. and so you can see the Captain America star on his chest but he still has this like middle-aged man mask on it's just ridiculous <laughs> it's so like good. if that's yeah it's it, it's fantastic it's very silly um that's for sure but no it's it's a lot of fun
0: now at this time in the captain america books there was a captain america was saying things like uh I really want to join shield I think that shield would be a good fit for me or whatever and he tries to make make um appointments with Nick Fury and when he does stuff right. like this I could be like yeah he he'd make an awesome agent of shield <laughs> this is is what this is all about here
1: disguises, he's secretly recording conversations, yeah he's like the perfect secret agent
0: until he blows his cover <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, yeah, but he was he also has a flair for the the dramatic, I That's suppose. True, yeah. I also liked that uh before he blows his cover, he's suggesting to Enchantress and Power Man that they they team up because they, you know, they could be the new heroes and they could kind of make it big, which foreshadows a lot of the the Thunderbolts and Dark Avengers stuff that would happen later. Mm-hmm. Um because they said, you know, the, now that the Avengers are gone, people need new heroes and they would like you guys and you can kind of trick them and be here so yeah, I, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting, especially with um, Power Man's future being a member of the Thunderbolts later. So the
0: very next page, uh, page 39 in this epic collection is page 14 in the story here. Um, there are only three panels on this page, and this is unusual for the 60s to have yes. only three panels. Usually artists, especially when you're dealing with Kirby and Ditko who were doing kind of the, the bulk of the work uh, in these early days, uh, they would stick to their maybe six panel or nine panel or even 12 panel pages you rarely or, right. or you'd have a huge splash page but you would seldom get pages that had just three panels in
1: them right this is almost a modern comics layout yeah. um, which is it's very unusual
0: and I found that Don would actually go he would do this during his action sequences I think because and this would go if you have the theory that Don was uh he was he was leaned on a lot more to to do the layouts of the story to do the plots uh, mm-hmm. he's kind of kind of just filling pages with a lot of fights they go on longer than they need to the pacing's not that great and this is an example using the huge panels of him just like i gotta fill space here so i'm going to do this
1: right yeah because this this fight um i mean basically the critical thing in this fight is that power man overpowers captain america in this section of the fight and it takes a good you know three three four pages for that to happen um which is and there's other than that there's not much developing there um so you're right i think it drags on a little long and then at the conclusion of the issue, we do see the city council announcing uh, that they were they were wrong. Not that they have the recording, um, which and it's a little unclear how Captain America got the recording out of there. The there was a no prize suggestion I saw somewhere online as I was researching this that there was a member of the the Teen Brigade standing by for Captain. <laughs> yeah, right. like, run it, run it out, or something like that. That was the best explanation I could see for that. Um, but but the city council um, changed their mind on the Avengers, reinstate them, announce this the coming. Sunday is Avengers Day, but then at the end of the issue, Captain America announces that he's going to leave the team. He's still so distraught about uh, how everything has been going, and he's going to be out as leader of the Avengers.
0: I love it. Now that our names are cleared, I'm kissing you off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Love that dramatic Stanley dialogue there. Yep. <laughs>
0: I can just, like, that's just something that Captain America doesn't, I, I cannot hear him saying that. <laughs>
1: I'm kissing you off. No, no, I feel like, I, I feel like Stanley didn't quite get the dialogue of Captain America. I see him as a little bit more stoic yep. and not really using too much slang, Um. so, uh, but, but you know, it's it's of the time. You kind of just roll with everything back then. And and that does lead us into my, I think, favorite story of this epic collection, uh, definitely of this the first half of the epic collection, which is a two-part Kang story, Um. Yeah. so that's 23 and 24, and Kang is my favorite uh, supervillain, at uh, least of the Avengers, but maybe uh, overall. So I'm cool. very, very excited about this one.
0: Yeah, and this is the the issue number uh, 23. It's called Once an Avenger. Uh, this is the issue where John Romita is the anchor, and you can mm-hmm. just see the difference, especially in this splash page. I yep. think. Uh, and Wally Wood's good, but there's something about right. John Romita where he just has a really solid grounding, uh, nature to his artwork. Um, the the shadows that he uses. Uses, uh, does everything really puts it firmly into reality, I think. More right, and
1: and it's-, it's his really strong inclines. There's a ton of variation in the, the brush strokes, yep. um, you know, really tapered, a lot of tapering that really gives the characters dynamics. He spots, you know, these blacks very strongly. And and also, and I don't know how much of this to credit to Heck and how much of it to credit to Ramita, but the backgrounds are much richer in this issue than they yeah. were in the previous couple issues. Um, there are still some blank backgrounds um, here, but, but a lot of times, whereas in the last two issues, Wood would leave those blank. remita adds in tons of action lines and effects and and stuff and that really um, makes this issue feel explosive. I think this is the best looking issue uh, of this app collection, personally.
0: Yeah, I think I would probably agree with you on that one, for sure.
1: You can also see Ramita's experience as a romance comic artist on page 48, so the, the second page of the issue. That Scarlet Witch panel um, where she is the big, the giant teardrop. It, yep. It's a very kind of pop oh, art. Great. It looked like something Lichtenstein would have like lifted um for a, for a pop art painting or something it's yeah it's really great well in this issue
0: this is the kang story that we were talking about the first part of the kang story he comes back mm-hmm. for revenge and this doesn't really make sense to me because kang says he's so angry about the last time they they uh they met up he's back for revenge on the avengers but this isn't the avengers that he fought last time why would he right. care to take a revenge on a team of people that's completely different than the last time
1: yes yes i love it so <laughs> so i I do love Kang. Like I said, he's my favorite Avengers villain. But the main thing you have to do with Kang stories is you can't think too hard about anything. <laughs> this is the critical. <laughs> yeah. And I, there are some Kang stories that hold up pretty well to examination. The the Roger Stern Kang story. I think it's like Once in Future. Uh, Once in Future Kang. Yeah, called. that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's in the. Uh, there's two Roger Stern Epic collections out currently. It's in the first one of those, the Under Siege volume. Yeah. Um, that's an incredible story that really holds up to examination. Um, there's awesome stories by. Rick remender featuring kang uh the avengers forever stuff this doesn't quite make sense also you have to assume because he's a time traveler so he could look back on any time in the avengers history so you have to assume that he picks a starting point for the avengers to be his antagonist and allows their timeline to move forward linearly and he never peeks around in that (laughs) he just is saying like which which he does like a challenge and he is a noble warrior he tells himself so you can see that he's going to not use abuse his time powers or something but it doesn't really make sense
0: or there could be a possibility that this isn't the second time that he's met the avengers that he's Hmm. met them a bunch of times in the future and this is another time he's just going back to this particular point so he already has battled hawkeye and quicksilver and and scarlet witch in a different encounter but
1: that's true yeah
0: yeah, so i don't know yeah with time travel and maybe he's He's just being
1: petty and this is a particularly weak point uh, which it is and so he's like this this time i'll beat them i've lost to them every other time but this is their weakest point captain america quit They're three former criminals who don't know what they're doing and all hate each other we're gonna go right now yeah that's a very i like that explanation
0: this is also the first appearance of ravona right correct yes it is she's a major player who's drawn beautifully
1: by john Romita. absolutely and a very important figure in uh in king's king's history
0: yeah he, he all of a sudden now his motivations are completely different. Because when we met him in the last issue, he was, you know, just a conqueror who was just conquering things for the sake of conquering things. But now he's conquering for love. It's like a Thanos story or something.
1: Right, right. He has these these other motivations. Yeah, and the, I do love his first appearance where he's floating on the like invisible couch and he's toying with the Avengers. But here he's a much more compelling figure. Yep. Um and, and so it's set in this kind of this future kingdom where he wants to win the heart of Ravonna um, but he and and he's threatening her that if she will not become his queen he will uh, kind of destroy her kingdom and take it over uh, which is a kind of you know it's a tropey kind of uh, medieval fantasy but set in the future so it's this kind of cool genre combination thing going on
0: yeah I liked it getting to see a little bit behind the scenes of Kang this is a huge developmental issue for him because a lot of the things that we know about Kang are established in this storyline yes yes Exactly yeah. that he's this
1: kind of roving conqueror, um, you know that he travels back and forth through time. It, it shows some of his devices, his kind of barbaric, out of control army. And he actually has teamed up with the Avengers a few different times. So he's not just he's not a nihilist. He he has his intentions um, and things he wants to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, on page, and I think that the uh, I was just gonna say real real quick, real quick. I think that even the I don't know if, why this is if Hex just got more comfortable. Even just the staging and the the camera angles in this art is is. Way, uh, way better than it was in the previous two issues. So I think it's pretty awesome in this issue, actually. Yeah.
0: On page 63, there is a little editorial note with apologies to Omar Khayyam. And I didn't understand this quote. I mean, I know Omar Khayyam, is a, is an, he's a Persian mathematician and a poet from like decades mm-hmm. ago. Uh, not decades ago, centuries ago. He's centuries old. Yes. And, uh, but I couldn't figure out what the reference was here. I'm assuming that whatever <laughs> Kang says is probably a, um, a misrepresentation of one of Omar Khayyam's uh, poems or something, but I tried Googling some some word combinations and stuff, and I couldn't figure it out.
1: Yes, I um, I don't know if you're familiar. I, I was trying to figure this out as well. I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Super Mega Monkey blog that goes through a lot of different uh, Avengers comic history. Uh, usually they have answers if I can't find anywhere else. I don't think anyone really quite knew what <laughs> oh, the answer was. to this. Really so one theory I heard was that maybe there was stan lee had some very poorly translated copy of his work um and that was what he happened here but i don't think anyone quite knows for sure the, okay well that's good i'm not he glad you could have I'm not written the wrong poet even yeah <laughs> <laughs> page 66 of the epic collection the last page of this issue that entire page is beautiful i, I think it's really incredible art with the top two panels being kang and ravona kind of facing each other in the two separate panels the dramatic action by kang and the invading army it's just a really dynamic page and- mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great way to end the issue. It looks Um, great. So, moving on to issue 24, the second half of this story. uh, The cover of this has been homaged uh, in different places. uh, Most notably, in my mind, the cover of West Coast Avengers number 28. Um, But this kind of these heroes in the middle surrounded by attacking horde of villains is kind of an iconic image there. Um, But. Issue 24, so Kang's armies attack Ravona's kingdom and Kang is poised for total victory over the kingdom uh, and the Avengers. But his love of Ravona causes his own troops to turn on him in kind of dramatic fashion. Yeah,
0: I think they were looking for an excuse to try and get rid of him. Uh, yeah, because they, they <laughs> play him really, really well using his own rules against him. They say, oh, you know, the rules every time we conquer a nation, we have to kill the royalty. So that means we need to kill Ravona's. So hurry up and do it. King's like, oh, I make the rules. I say when they when I, we don't have to obey them, <laughs> and they're like, and then they yes. revolt. So I, I thought that yes, was yes, and uh, they had
1: assassins
0: like yeah, ready to go. Totally. I think
1: he must be annoying to work for. He like <laughs> rants all the times and talks about how much he hates these heroes from different centuries. He, I'm sure, he's not the greatest boss in the world. Probably not.
0: Now I wonder if Kirby was had a hand in some of this artwork because there are mm. some pages here that look so much like Jack Kirby's staging and stuff. And I so let's see if we go to page, uh, page two or page 69 in the Epic Collection. That top panel where mm-hmm. they're all going to into charging into battle with the huge seed yes. in the foreground and stuff like that looks yeah. so much like a Kirby um, just composition. Everything yes. about it, it me. definitely
1: does and that, that especially that long horizontal kind of cinematic aspect yep. of it
0: and then you go over to page mm-hmm. uh seven and eight mm-hmm. and you take a look at this battle here In the first panel on on page seven where the guy is being shot and the guys are falling over like that is such a Kirby composition as well and yes um, he has a lot
1: of those where it looks like the wilhelm scream the yeah, kind of like totally movie, like i would be happening that yeah it looks exactly like that yeah
0: and even if you go to the next page where um um where scarlet witch is using her hex powers to crumble the, the stuff Is going to topple over top of these guys, or when Captain America's Mm -hmm. shield hits the guy over. Like, all of this stuff, I really feel like maybe Kirby had a hand in some of this.
1: I think that's a great theory. And I, I mean, he was also doing a ton... Of layouts uh, for for a lot of comics. I mean, there would be you know, I'm sure a lot of it was was uncredited or just fill in. Yep. Um, you know, he would do that. There was points where he would be doing you know, for for is- long issues, long time after he had left the title, he would still be doing some very loose layouts or plotting. Um, because yeah. I think Lee really trusted him to do that. I, I think, and I think also on page eight of this issue, seventy-five of the Epic Collection, just the way Captain America's body is shaped as he's leaping into those two guys, right? Like that, it looks way more like a Kirby uh, Kirby figure than a Heck figure. Just yeah. how bulky and bold uh, Captain America looks right there.
0: Exactly, yeah. Don Heck definitely draws him more realistic, I guess, whereas Kirby's so much more stylized in that. And then you're right, that, and just the sideways action as well is more of a Kirby right. dynamic pose than something that Heck would do.
1: Yes, yep, definitely. Um, I liked in this issue um, the insults of the 20th century. They called it the age of unreason and people kept <laughs> referring to them as barbarians from being yep. from the 20th century. Um, so that was... That was, that was kind of funny. Uh, this is this, somebody, one of the commenters said that there was a lot of. This is a little verbose. If you go to page seventy-one of the Epic Collection, that top panel has so many words on it. Oh, man, um, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Art Symek, who had to do a lot of work in this issue, and you can really yeah see it in that panel um but but overall i still think this is a fun issue i really like the kind of the tragic ending is fantastic as well um with the avengers as they're being ripped back through time seeing ravona finally realizing that she loves kang after he's switched in his fought with the avengers and then she leaps in front of him i mean it's a little contrived that she would switch to loving him that quickly but still the fact that her fate is unknown to the avengers um as they drift away through time it was it was a cool cool conclusion yeah
0: they it's also interesting to me that they made Kang and the Avengers team up uh, on, on yes. basically his second appearance. This yeah. it really kind of ruins the 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 gravity of his villain personality. Like he's he's no longer that, like he's reasonable, you know.
1: Yes, <laughs> I guess. yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think that to me one of the appeals of Kang is that he's it's almost like a game to him, and yeah. he's ruthless and he'll conquer worlds. And you'll see that in, in future issues. he will talk about all of his conquests, but then he He just he can't beat the Avengers um, yeah. but but he's he won't do it to the point of personal destruction. he's, he's he is fairly reasonable um, i I also really like speaking of theming up uh, Captain America um it basically is kang's wingman in this issue i think it's on page 82 of the (laughs) epic collection ravona's like what is up with you (laughs) he said she said i've never heard in this tone in your voice before um and then he said neither did i until minutes ago and captain america you speak for kang i do not understand um yeah it's it's great yeah it is uh, he's he's backing him (laughs) up. And yeah, now
0: our team is back together again after yep. uh, breaking yep. up and, and, and stuff. Uh, exactly,
1: and then the the next this issue concludes with yet another supervillain who's tracking the Avengers. I wonder how many supervillains are simultaneously just keeping their eye on the team. It seems like this is a definitely a way that a lot of Avengers issues start. It's just some supervillain is viewing them on some sort of camera or oh, from the ones. shadows. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh,
0: we did get a, a reference in this issue to Doctor Doom and his relationship with Kang. Mm. And and then that yes, leads that us... was abandoned. Yeah, it sure it was. <laughs> that leads us. directly <laughs> it was a really big deal. Lee issue. tried
1: to sell it pretty hard. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and they they do. They spend a whole page in this next issue here. Uh, what what issue is this? Issue twenty five. They spend a whole page talking about how Doom is possibly related to Kang through various different things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and and on page ninety of this epic collection, we even have that where. Uh, Rama Tut is pointing a gun at Doom, and he looks surprised. The, Doom never looks good when you try to give his mask those facial <laughs> expressions. It never, it never looks good. It looks like a bad Saturday morning cartoon, um, and it especially those there. Um, but yeah, so, so, so issue 25 though is it's the big anniversary issue, um, and even and it has the Fantastic Four in it. But even the cover couldn't bring itself to fully. <laughs> it was honest actually. It said a brief guest appearance of the Fantastic Four. Normally <laughs> in comics, when somebody shows up even if it's a little underwhelming they'll sell it as some big deal but in here they just said well they're going to be in here for a couple pages not much well they still put accurate, the name but... on the cover they did yes yep. probably still get some kids to buy it so
0: <laughs> yeah so in this issue Doctor Doom is kind of a funny thing here so he, he thinks to himself I bet I could really freak out the Avengers if I take down If uh, sorry I think that I could really freak out the Fantastic Four if I take down the Avengers when they see how easy it is for me to do that they're going to run scared I'm like that Okay, sure, Doctor Doom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you
1: think right so. and then somewhere through the issue his plan morphs into being if i capture the avengers then the fantastic four will come rescue them. yeah yeah and I, it's not a very clean transition no, between not those students. and
0: that's one of those times when it's like ah uh, really are the uh is, is stanley's writing i can just see stanley he's getting the pages probably one at a time as don heck is finishing mm-hmm. them and he's writing out the stuff here and he comes up with this idea here then he gets the pages where it's like oh oh the the fantastic four are in this issue oh now i gotta think of a way to like (laughs) tie them into the
1: story a little bit yeah it's just it's kind of an underwhelming issue especially after i had so much fun with that kang story and it was had these awesome like future medieval tropes in it and and now it's kind of i do enjoy seeing dr doom with his his people who are kind of distrusting him that stuff's kind of interesting i also like that dr doom turns off tvs by destroying them yes he wasn't even that angry he just is like oh i'm done watching tv and then he just destroys (laughs) it um there so there's like some fun highlights in here uh but this is maybe the silliest issue in the entire epic Collection. we Probably. haven't even really gotten to the conclusion yet
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time that we see hawkeye's uh, secret identity like he's unmasked mm. in in the train scene when they're rolling into latveria he's not wearing his costume yeah. we have That's never true. seen hawkeye out of costume before he's always been in costume think- and they never have called him clint yet he in fact throughout this entire <laughs> epic collection i don't know when the first time they actually call him clint or we find out that that's his name but they don't talk about it at all here because the avengers still have secret identities one of their things at right. this time is that they're they, they have the right to keep their personalized person <laughs> personal
1: right over and over again and it's always annoying it's like well they seem like they're in mortal distress but it's their personal life so we won't we won't bother <laughs> them it's a really bad policy i think overall. but in this
0: one hawkeye openly lets everybody see his face here and they don't don't make a big deal about it and they don't I, right they don't call him Clint or anything I don't know how he buys his train ticket or whatever but and the thing about this team here is that um, Wanda and Pietro are their identities are publicly known um, mm-hmm. they rarely call them Scarlet Witch or Quicksilver actually right. I think they call him Quicksilver quite a bit but and then Captain America's identity is known so Hawkeye is kind of the odd duck here in this team of guy who's holding on to his own secret identity right maybe they just maybe it's, I think there was a
1: dick spider-man issue where where he was unmasked and then nobody knew who he was anyway was like I don't know who this kid <laughs> is right. he's not famous and then it's just like yeah so maybe that's the same thing where they're like yep this is what I look like I'm not going to tell you my name though maybe that's what he went for maybe um, could be I don't yeah. know we also see in this issue uh, Dr. Doom with the, like, Simpsons-style giant clear dome over the city. Right. That he can activate by just pulling one lever, which is pretty incredible mechanics. I and think if he has this dome,
0: why doesn't he use it more often? Like, there's so many times that Leveria is attacked and and uh, he doesn't pull out
1: the dome. <laughs> Maybe he just built it, and, like, that was what he had been working on. Um, but, yeah, it's very strange. Um, and we also... We also have this issue. I mean, there's just other very silly things in this issue where, like, Quicksilver is trying to tangle up Doctor Doom with his cape, and then he says, "No matter how hard you wind my cloak, I can unwind it with far more force." This whole like half page <laughs> cloak say related <laughs> action dialogue.
0: <laughs> that one line I was going to point out specifically as well. <laughs> I can unwind yeah. it
1: with far more force. <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah that's it, yeah, great um one thing and we haven't really talked about this too much Scarlet Witch's uh powers don't make any kind of coherent sense from issue to issue no um there's one point in this story she actually like says a rhyming spell other at another point her eyes are covered so she said well if my eyes are covered my spells don't work and, right. there's no rules it's just chaos it doesn't make any sense from issue to issue
0: uh, and then at some point her powers just kind of weaken and disappear and that's right that's coming up in a few issues here
1: yep um, but this issue in particular is included in a, a kind of anticlimactic way for one of the greatest villains in um, all of Marvel comics nice. um, Dr. Doom uh, starts sneezing because of a <laughs> Hawkeye arrow <Yeah>. and <laughs> and then it says and back and it, right at the Avengers escape and it says and back in the mysterious castle when his sneezing finally subsides so this feels like I've been reading a lot of Silver Age Justice League like with my kids and this seems like something that would be in those issues it is much more fitting for the DC universe than the Marvel universe at the
0: time I uh, wonder if like if Stan got this page and he's like oh what the heck is happening here I have (laughs) no idea Don
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's I mean it could have just been some kind of he could have said it's some kind of nerve gas or he could have said it's some kind of like I don't know or it's just like a fumes. smoke screen or something and they ran right.
0: away during the smoke screen or something I yeah oh yeah
1: it's so strange <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very weird this is not the, the best issue in the collection no um but but it does I think improve a little bit with the next two stories so we move on to well one Avengers last one last 26. comment that I want to make yeah. here
0: is on page 91 uh, they're all around the table Captain America says uh, uh um, I promised I would serve till Iron Man, Thor, or Giant Man returns and pledged to hold the Avengers together no matter what. And that reminded me that there's no chairman. There's no rotating chairman right now. They are not that's doing true. the same yeah. thing that they had done like previously established with the old team. It's just Captain America's in charge, and that's it. They're not right. taking
1: turns. And if if that's also the case that he pledged, then he he kind of broke that pretty quickly when he walked away previously. Right. From the team. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> Um, but yeah that is I do like that about the Avengers when they have the rotating chairman aspect I think it's kind of cool um, but that uh, I mean I, I suppose it's a good idea at this point in time uh, the rest of the Avengers are not maybe the most equipped for leading the team uh, Scarlet yeah. Witch is fairly rational um, but Quicksilver and Hawkeye seem um, a little little on edge well uh, and Hawkeye, Hawkeye is actively
0: plotting in his dialogue he's <laughs> actively plotting to take away power from Captain America and he's like oh man I shouldn't have said that because now Rwanda won't side with me when i I try to get power f- away from Captain America or whatever. You know, <laughs> it's like it's- right. And there, I think
1: yeah. I think it's a, a future issue, not this one. But he's like, well, when, I'll take over when Captain America retires. They keep talking about Captain America like he's seventy years old. That's right. Which he's he's been frozen in time. But even if he wasn't frozen in time, he's only like twenty years older than that. It's not been that long. No. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. if he's gonna, yeah, I don't know why he thinks Captain America's on the verge he's of the time. He's him. It's a little weird. That. Yeah, over and over again. You know. Oh boy. Okay. Yep. Next issue.
0: Number 26.
1: Yes. So Avengers 26. Um, so this is the start uh, in terms of inking of the Frank uh, Giacoya run. I, there was a, somebody posted on the Epic Collection Facebook page, a pronunciation guide for all of these old Marvel uh, Marvel artists and writers. And his was one of the names on. So. Definitely. Said on that guide, Frank Giacoya. So <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going with. So in this issue, the Wasp returns and the Avengers must, must rescue her from the undersea menace Atuma, who is attempting to flood the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh this is a this was a good start. I'm not particularly fond of Atuma as a character usually. Um but this one was pretty good. He, he doesn't have a, a really huge uh, intricate plot or anything. He's just going to rise the the tides at an extremely fast right. rate so that the world floods. Um and his reasons for kidnapping the wasp are very very thin. He just says, "Well, she's just just floating there. The only possible reason that someone would be floating in the in the water above my ship is that they're a spy, so I must capture them."
1: Yeah, I think Like you were saying, you've said a couple times, this is another instance of Stanley trying to figure out what's going on in Hex uh, Pencils (laughs) and just kind of filling stuff in. Especially because the issue started with uh, the Namor um, subplot of him coming and. Uh, I think not started with, but that's I think it's on page one fourteen, so the fifth yeah. page of this issue. Namor is coming in. Wasp has to warn uh the the surface world of Namor's approach, and that kind of just gets dropped entirely. It completely so, gets dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it it doesn't quite make sense, but but you're right. It is Atuma is not the most nuanced uh, or complicated villain ever, and so this way he's not written that way. He just wants to destroy stuff, and we just get to kind of see some cool action scenes, some more Avengers bickering. Um. It's, oh, yeah. it's fairly straightforward in that regard.
0: Yeah, I'm getting tired of this at this point. I really felt like they really needed to move past the bickering part because it's been a solid, well, since issue number 16 when they all formed the team. So we're going on 10 issues where the first three or four pages of every issue is pretty much just them bickering. Yes. is getting really awesome Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and when in the rare moments when they do work together, it's actually pretty compelling. Like, they're a pretty fun team. Yep. Uh, like how they all complement each other with Quicksilver zooming around, Scarlet Witch, you know, dropping massive force... Um, on all the villains, Captain America leading them into battle, you know, Hawkeye with his various tricks. It's a it's a fun fighting team. It's just kind of rare when we actually get to see them working in a, uh, a cohesive way. So the one thing that I do like about this one is
0: that Hawkeye doesn't get the message that uh, that he they need his help because every I, when I say it's become formulaic, it's like yeah, we spend the first few pages arguing and then they get called to a fight, so the whole team goes and then they spend time arguing there and then they overcome the bad guy by working together a little bit and uh, like that seems to happen mm-hmm. in every single issue but this one we actually get the team split up which is nice and nice for a change of pace yes so now Hawkeye is, is on, on his own journey here
1: yes and then when he can't he can't rejoin them uh, because he can't remember the Avengers password <laughs> the secret password <laughs> yeah. so he can't yeah. access the message so he can't log into the email account basically because he forgot the password that they told him to remember which is is actually I think good Hawkeye characterization that seems totally. like something he would definitely do yeah he says um. uh, what does he say? I was too busy <laughs> so mother- acting
0: like a- clown while cap was explaining the whole works
1: <laughs> yep exactly so he's starting to develop a little bit of humility here which is nice to see um I, I think the other thing i really like um is i did make myself you can make yourself go a little crazy um if starting the battle with Atuma on page 125 of the epic collection yep um, you track whether he's holding his sword or not. He just <laughs> various points has it or doesn't have it back and forth. And and there's a character in the 90s. I'm not a big X-Men guy. Is it Shatterstar who has the double-bladed sword? Yep, that's right. In the 90s? Right. He ever he gets a lot of flack for that because they're like, that wouldn't really work. It wouldn't really cut through anything because it's too. He has a triple sword. He calls it his battle sword. And it looks like a fork. It's a three-pronged sword. So I, he, he was an innovator. Before Shatterstar was doing a double-blade in the 90s, the two-one was doing it in the 60s with three so I yeah. respect that a lot. Well I'm, su- I'm sure it's
0: supposed <laughs> to represent like Neptune's trident or something like that but right. But if it's an actual sword yeah that doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
1: <laughs> it's has gotta be a mess. I mean it was you know not the, the most inspired issue in the world no. but it, it's fun I think there's this I really actually like this panel on page 116 going back when Atuma is standing kind of symbolically over the surface world with his hand outstretched yeah. and the floodwaters are crashing over the city like I like when comics use their comic and they use symbology and things. I liked that. I thought that was a nice touch. It um, is. It is a nice classic. Touch. Yeah. Um, kind of classic uh, comic page there. And another one of those kind of bigger splash pages, this three panel pages that you don't normally see. That's right. Yeah. Um, in comics of this era. So that was kind of cool as well.
0: I just felt like this whole issue was a lot of filler. It was a lot of just setting up things because it's all going to pay off in the
1: next issue. Right. And, and in that next issue, which has that classic cover um, that, that one of our uh, commenters mentioned um with Scarlet Witch and Captain America kind of sinking in the water, the octopus looming in the background. Um, That starts again in the um, in the Avengers kind of HQ with technology around them as Hawkeye is trying to use a piece of machinery to desperately remember the Avengers secret password. So it's a kind of absurd start to the issue <laughs> it is. uh, for Avengers 27. Um, but, but you know, it it, it kind of gets you into the action quickly.
0: Uh, I guess that uh, Tony Stark, who made this messaging system, should have built in the reset password feature. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot my password. That hadn't
1: come around yet.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> hawkeye has to fight the beetle in this issue he the, one of those guys you were just saying that a bunch of the issues start off with um villain a super villain like watching from a monitor or from behind the scenes this time it's the beetles watching from the shadows he attacks hawkeye for no apparent reason really it's a very random encounter i mean i know this will pay off later but mm-hmm. it's just so so random uh and it didn't right. make sense when and he doesn't really lying.
1: talk hardly at all yeah he says uh two lines right which is very unusual 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 for a comic of this era normally there's a lot of exposition explanation the beetle's not my favorite uh character Uh, heck didn't do a good job of making him look kind of creepy in this issue his silence actually kind of serves him well it's kind of weird that there's this strange like suction finger man who's just randomly attacking um hawkeye and lurking in the avengers mansion but but i don't really know what his motivation is so that kind of takes away from it yeah
0: uh, and then the rest of the issue is just a big battle between our heroes. And they get knocked out, and Hawkeye has to come and rescue them. Um, there's some really cool undersea stuff, especially when the octopus shows up. There's another page where it's only two panels, and I, mm-hmm. I they do that for effect because the octopus is huge. So in order to convey right. how huge this octopus is, they make a really big panel, which is cool. Um, yes. But still, like, there are moments where I feel like Heck is just trying to stretch things out a little bit more. And then there's right. a moment on. Page page uh, 19 is page 149 where Hawkeye says, well, oh, what about the Wasp? Didn't she send us our message? And Quicksilver says, I searched for her <laughs> earlier at, at top speed and there was no trace of her. She must have escaped before we got here. That's definitely Stanley realizing now at the end of this issue is like, oh, um, <laughs> the, the Wasp called the Avengers and the Avengers came, but they never found the Wasp at all. Like the last time we saw the Wasp was when she was making the distress call. We never saw her again.
1: Right. Oops. Oh, and we didn't talk about her. That no, much, like, and that's often. the next to last page of the issue, which I, like you said, Stanley probably got to those last two pages. Is like, where's the wasp? Yeah. And then he, <laughs> he has to write in. <laughs> Any uh, yep. oh, um, <laughs> I do like. I, I there are I do like how Heck draws machinery um, in this issue. There's there's some cool technology. I like that there's these uh, you know on page one forty four of the Epic Collection, um, which is page fourteen of the issue. That submarine crashing down through the water yep. is kind of cool. Um, and there's on the um, on the uh, two a couple pages later 147 of the Epic Collection page 17 of the issue. There's that awesome firefight with Hawkeye and Quicksilver behind the pillar and blasters yeah. and cannons. It and th- it's There's some cool kind of sci-fi action in here. Um, so I thought it was a, it was a fun issue, even if the, even if their purpose for being there to rescue the Wasp doesn't really pan out fully. It was still kind of a fun action
0: issue. Uh, there's a that reminds me of that scene in the one episode of the Ma- Mandalorian where the Mandalorian. Is fighting with the droid, and they're trapped behind a beam, just like this, with all these guys shooting at them. Do you remember that? Have you seen *Mandalorian*? No, I haven't seen the *Mandalorian*. Oh man, actually. gotta check it out. But it's so good. I've heard it's really great.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I love that. It's always an iconic kind of action movie scene. Definitely. The people back to back behind a pillar, just gunfire raining down on all sides. It's classic.
0: Uh, Captain America works um, works a works Atuma really really well here. He he bluffs him by saying that Atuma is bluffing. Is on page uh, one forty three on. Yes page 13 of this issue and he says you know I don't think he's actually got the machinery here and I like this is just another one of those tactics that would make him a great shield agent
1: yep yep and and I do like how Captain America is is actually developing into a good leader um, which he was a little shaky early on Um, and now he's kind of he's kind of starting to bring the team together the team's been through some adversity and they're starting to work together a lot better you have Hawkeye rescuing Quicksilver in this issue it's they're they're starting to gel a little bit more as as a cohesive unit yeah and then one more moment
0: right at the very end here they get back to avengers hq and there is an alarm going off and there's just some stan lee dialogue to to say i thought you left someone new some new attacker tied up here hawkeye (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Whoops. Don, yeah. uh, Don Heck forgot to draw the beetle in here.
1: Uh, that was probably not the best strategy. I mean, I guess he didn't have much choice. He had to kind of get running, but leaving a supervillain kind of tied up loosely in your, uh, especially a super strong one in your headquarters, I'm surprised he didn't just destroy everything. But Yeah, yeah. or like steal yeah. their secrets or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's Maybe he couldn't hack traps. the password either. He didn't know how the machine worked that right. reminded him of the password. So yeah, Password protection worked.
0: Okay, so the next issue is called Among Us Walks a Goliath. Giant man, Reed rejo- joins the Avengers right now when he finds out that the Wasp has been kidnapped by the Collector. And so this is a I, I don't know if Stanley was like, okay, we have to address the Wasp thing now since she, she wasn't there. We have to come up with a way that she... Uh, a reason why she's missing. So we're, here's the issue. And he invites right. this character called the Collector who <laughs> will go yeah. on to play a major role in, in the Marvel Universe, and especially the Marvel Cinematic... Well, not a major role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but a role nonetheless.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, fairly, yeah, fairly prominent one. It's amazing to think that this guy will go from being... Um, basically, I, I mean, and I was... I I was wondering like how much of this is stanley like making fun of comic book collectors or hobbyists or something like that <laughs> yeah, right. there's a point in here where he says i must have everyone i must have the complete set um <laughs> and he's and he's kind of ridiculous all of his powers just come from the artifacts that he's developed over time like he has a piece of a flying carpet that he uses as a cape that lets him like fly in a dr strange kind of way he yeah. you know he he's not a cosmic figure here the character yeah. design is very strange um and but he's certainly not an me. elder of the universe
0: it surprised me that there was no Hints of any sort of outer space or otherworldly abilities. All of the stuff, all of his artifacts are Earth artifacts. Mm-hmm. He is very much tied to this planet. Uh, it's not till later that they um, make him into a, an alien. So that's kind of cool. Right. Right. Yeah. It was. It
1: was interesting. It was a strange first appearance for him, especially having seen the movies and having read a lot of other comics where he has a much more cosmic role. Yeah. This. This issue again, inked by Frank Giacoya. I, I like the art on this issue. I think it. I think it uh, steps up especially from the last couple of issues here mm-hmm. um, the, the the blacks are a lot more pronounced the characters will have a lot more definition to them um, but I uh, I really like uh, the other thing we get in this this issue is the a new costume uh, and a new name for giant man' That's right old high pockets he is he's is now Goliath. Um, so even though they were trying to rush off to save the wasp, Scarlet Witch said, "No, we have to stop." We I showed you a costume, even though I don't know you, in case you ever come back <laughs> to become an Avenger. Um, and I actually really like this costume. I think it's cool with the blue and the yellow. And it's yeah. Do I, you I think it's so a awesome. Kirby designed costume? I don't know. It's so Hex costume designs are sometimes a little strange. Like the Collector to me looks like a Hex costume design. Like that looks more typical. Power Man looks like a kind of more typical Hex design. A Living Light mean that we'll see later in this um in this epic collection looks heckish but um giant man does look kirby-esque and and Jet kirby did do the cover for this issue. um and there's a very good chance that, that came first the reason why
0: i think this looks like a kirby drawing is because of the glasses and the way he mm. draws the 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 highlights i guess of the yes. of the glasses like that's such a kirby way of doing that uh and that's right. what i think wonder man even had that look in his costume i, c- I can't remember for sure mm. i have to go yeah back look. i'm trying to remember but uh but
1: yeah and then and just the general symmetry of the costume it looks very uh, i i would agree with you i don't know that for sure i, didn't, I haven't heard anything on that but yeah, I, don't know. Uh, I would certainly not be surprised if this was a kirby design so at this point
0: i really feel ti- uh, kind of tired of the the way that stan lee is writing his villains they all have the same like bravado uh, in their in their voice, mm-hmm. in the way that they talk. It's like they're all like, uh, what are some of the lines here? So, so as long as I hold her, thus you must do as I say. Now march all of you into the dungeon cells I have prepared for you. It's like we Atuma talks that way, Doctor Doom was talking that way, Kang was talking mm-hmm. that way. Uh, there's just no difference in, in their voice I find at this point. I know they all grow to be very different characters but right mm-hmm. now the way Stan is doing them it seems so similar it's like you could replace any
1: one of them right they're all kind of mustache twirling like dick dastardly kind of you know yeah strap you know strap the strap the you know the woman to the train tracks and like talk crazily about your plans like they're not very uh they're not very original characters i would agree with that at least in terms of the way they speak that's right um i yeah i I do like in this issue that hawkeye has desires to become a leader at some point um because that will get kind of expanded on it's really fascinating when you read these old comics how people take little bits of them like uh giant man's sadness here or or, excuse me goliath's sadness here or hawkeye's longing to be a leader and a legitimate um kind of superhero and expand that into something really great later so west coast avengers you know decades later you'll see hawkeye finally get to be a leader of the Avengers. Mm -hmm. um you know you'll see hank pym's continued mental deterioration and sadness later but that's just little slivers that you get in these 60s comics
0: did you notice that the last two issues had scarlet witch in a purple outfit and now she's back to pink in this one?
1: Oh, I did not. Um, I did notice in the next issue her costume changes a little bit. Um, Just in one panel, but, though. Right, yeah, very strangely. Yeah. Uh, or two, I think. Um, but it's not consistent. On page... Consistent. No, it's oh yeah, not. that is too, uh, that too I see that. But the yeah, the coloring, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if that's that's just a coloring inconsistency. There's also, I think, Black Widow has a green costume at one point in this epic collection. Like, I think just on a cover, um, right? Her mask is green or something like that. There's there's little, little spots like that. Uh, it, it's also interesting. So do you know what the philosophy generally is on coloring? Do they leave color errors in, um, or what's the approach on that? For the epic collections,
0: they have left color errors in. Uh, I okay. know when the Masterworks originally started in the 80s and they were recoloring things, they would correct a lot of that stuff, but for mm-hmm. the Epic Collections they're trying to keep it as close to the original coloring as possible so they do leave those mistakes or differences in. There are some cases where, like, Captain America has a standard blue color and Spider-Man mm-hmm. has a standard blue color, so if um, if the issue had them in a different tone, they actually, for the Epic Collection, would keep the standard Spider-Man blue color or Got stuff it. like that. So there, there are, I, okay. I think they just pick and choose the circumstances in
1: which they do things got it because i noticed on page 167 of the epic collection the beetles like gripper fingers are miscolored like it's in that bottom right panel he's gripping that rock there's that little loop at the top that sh- right. that's one of his fingers that's colored rock colored and then his like thumb or whatever is colored yellow like the background um so uh, i know you're a coloring expert so i, <laughs> I figured i would ask you <laughs> well and sometimes the colorist who's doing these
0: uh these recreations and restorations they they just make mistakes too so some of these aren't even original mistakes. Like I'm doing coloring for the For Better, For Worse books for IDW and the Library of American Comics, right. and I make those kind of mistakes too.
1: <laughs> so it's yeah,
0: <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's not a perfect a
1: perfect thing as much right. as you want it to be. Yeah, you um, share the pages for you know over and over again. Something, yeah. something's still gonna slip through. So I, knowing you're a, an expert on coloring, the other kind of um, strange coloring question I was wondering is. I know that a lot of these colors in the 60s are just kind of flats. Like they're just flat colors without any kind of gradients or anything. Yep. But I did notice on the covers for a lot of these issues, there were some color gradients. Is that how they originally looked in the 60s? Or is that something that had to be like airbrushed? I, I just didn't know the process for how that worked.
0: Yeah, so they printed the covers differently, a different process than they would um, the insides. The insides were printed with, um, well, it's all printed with printing plates, but there's the four color process where you mm-hmm. have the four different colors that are laid over top of each other to make up the colors. And then right. there's the, um, there's offset printing where it's, uh, where you can have things like the gradients and you can have maybe like watercolor painting uh, pictures or whatever. And they still have to, to do the color separations, but it's a much different process and so the covers are all printed uh, offset because ah. they are printed separately uh, from the actual pages. And then they combine the, you know, they put the covers on the on the, the book. Got it. And so, yeah, okay. we do have the colors are often done uh, with watercolor or mm-hmm. or that kind of thing to, to give it a different look. And it's hard to recreate that when you're doing that on a computer. So it often looks a little bit different.
1: Um, Got it. I was wondering that because, I, I mean, it's very, I, I, I don't I don't know how many, how often it's it's done that way in the 60s, but in this epic collection, I noticed there was a few covers that were very noticeably different in style of coloring from the, the interior issues.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you go to what what issue are we on right now? If, um, even issue number 29 mm-hmm. and you look at like a giant man's or Goliath's chest with the yellow, uh, those should be probably a little bit more of a um, a, a proper, more kind of a proper gradual gradient. A gr- more gradual gradient, yeah. Um, I mean, let's see if I'm going to quickly Google an actual scan of cover to have looked okay. at Avengers twenty
1: nine. You can also see kind of the uh, the shading on um, Swordsman Swordsman's arm as well on his leg too. Um, it's yeah, it's it's there's definitely spots all over this color. Uh, we will cover. it, Whereas if you go to the interior pages, obviously it's just that that solid flat color um, that these this era of comics is so famous for.
0: Okay, so the actual original scan looks fairly close to what they're trying to recreate here Uh, but it's still you you do get to see that there are some gradients and like the shadows that they put on the backs of uh, Power Man and such are probably a little bit more flat than than uh, than what they appear to here I'm not sure yeah it's definitely a different process though
1: got it all right awesome thank you I think you were sharing your expertise on that so yeah should we dive into issue 29 of the Avengers
0: sure issue 29 is called this power unleashed now something we didn't mention in the last issue was that power uh, that Goliath is now uh, he's in some big trouble because he hasn't been shrinking or growing for since he left the Avengers so he's out of practice and now that he's done it he started shrinking from like 20 feet and shrinking down but in the mid process he sort of collapsed now he's stuck right at 10 feet and they call a doctor and they're telling him that he cannot shrink any past uh, 10 feet he can't shrink smaller than 10 feet otherwise you know he could have some serious injury Um, he's now yeah. stuck at this height forever
1: yeah they they say he might just die if he tries to shrink, shrink, uh, shrink any smaller than that and it, it, his that weakness because he had stayed t- big longer than 15 minutes it's another one of those kind of not just Stan Lee would do this. This would be all over DC Comics too. But one of those kind of contrived weaknesses. This is a Kryptonite right. situation. This is a Green Lantern in the color yellow. Uh, Iron Man's battery running out. It's one of these very kind of contrived yeah. weaknesses. So we had one of those for for Goliath in the last issue. Yep. In this issue, um, we um, yep. So so the Avengers learn the tragic fate of Goliath um, but, and then also you have uh, the Black Widow assembling a team of supervillains to destroy the Avengers because she's been brainwashed by the communists.
0: Yeah now this is funny because I've been reading the details to Astonish issues that have Black Widow in them as well and Black Widow mm. and Hawkeye go way back they they were both villains from Iron Man, the Iron Man stories and mm-hmm. they, the last that we've seen of her, she was actually kind of turning into a, a good person and helping and then she's just disappeared so I think Stan has to brainwash her in order to keep her a villain because otherwise it doesn't make sense her her story doesn't make sense and she seems to be in the employ of uh chinese communists now instead of russian Mm -hmm. communists
1: yeah and there was not really a clear explanation for that no i don't think not at all because Uh, she was i guess
0: she was clearly dealing with uh, Russian communists before, and her whole backstory is is uh, Russian. But now, just out of nowhere, she's been brainwashed by uh, what, what do they call him? Hu Chen, I think, is this bald guy yeah. with secret cigarette.
1: Yeah. The important thing to Stanley is that they were communists. I think that was the gist of it. As right. As long as yeah. that was the case, then, then he didn't care much. Uh, uh, speaking again of Stanley having to make changes to a comic after it has been complete, um, and I, I mean, I don't know who shoulders the blame for this. There, I read a theory online that this doctor that the Avengers called in was supposed to be Don Blake, but they had to change it because it wouldn't have made sense with his story. And you can see at different points where that might be the case. So like on page 174 of the Epic Collection, second page of this issue, he has a pipe in his mouth, but it, it, it's not drawn in a way that like makes sense like for him. It, it looks like it was drawn after the care figure was already drawn. And in um. fact, if you just look at the panels, the they call Don Blake... Um, and you see his, like, apartment complex, and then a couple panels later, this doctor shows up. The, The dialogue, there's a caption that says, you know, the dialogue says, his answering service says he's out of town. They don't know when he'll be back. And then there's this big caption on the page and that said that's putting it mildly he's on his way from he, uh from earth and asgard or he yeah he's on the way from earth and asgard at this very moment in his other identity god of thunder and it plugs thor's book so there was a there was a theory because especially because this doctor i, I don't think ever shows up again um and it seems like he's more of a significant character that this was initially t- intended to be don blake
0: right and then he just added glasses and a mustache. To, the yeah, exactly. later to make him look different or something. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, so I don't know if that's true, but it's an interesting theory. Very um, interesting. Makes sense.
0: On the yep. first page, uh, when they're checking out this big splash page, they're checking out Goliath. Um, at the bottom, it says, no, this is not the start of a new Ben Casey medical story. And I wanted to just point <laughs> this out because Ben Casey was an old newspaper comic strip about a doctor that oh. was uh, quite popular. It was made into a TV show as well. And Ben Casey, one of the most notable artists on that comic strip was Neil Adams. It's where he got his start in the comic industry. And he was doing the comic strip at this time when they made that comment. In fact, it was actually this comic strip was canceled, I think, a month after this comic was published. Oh. Uh So, and then from there, uh, he would step into comics and eventually would become, you know, like a uh, the X-Men artist for a little while and move on to great things. But that's where got Neil it. Adams got his start.
1: So kind of like a Frank Robbins type of path where he was a famous kind of strip artist before yep. he moved over to totally. the comic field. Okay, awesome. Yeah thank you I had no idea who that was I assumed it was like a radio drama or a sitcom or something so now I do yeah um, I, I like on uh, the, the second page where Quicksilver like there's a man who's like dying and somebody calls it, Captain America calls him Giant Man and Quicksilver steps in and say he's Giant Man no longer Cap he changed his name to Goliath remember <laughs> oh, <excuse> <laughs> me, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like not the time Quicksilver <laughs> it doesn't matter like <laughs> well
0: and I understand why Captain America says it because everyone knows Giant Man but no one would know because he just changed his name like yesterday no one would know him if he called him Goliath
1: (laughs) right he didn't want to have to go through that exposition to the the doctor who doesn't know who the Avengers are yeah Now the one uh, the uh, the other thing in terms of character development I thought was a little odd and this does fit I guess in with his character development that we know from later. Hawkeye was just like an issue or two ago like hoping that he could like date Scarlet Witch because he was like maybe if I'm the leader then she'll respect me and like me and then want to go out with me and then now he's like Black Widow is the love of my life again going to the Matt Fraction Hawkeye he is kind of a cad and he has like multiple women that he's involved with at at one time and it's you know, not a very you know he's not portrayed as a very faithful man so I guess that's in line. Yeah. But it's, well, uh, it's a little jarring here. But
0: at the same time, especially, and it, it makes sense to me, having read just recently those Iron Man issues, because he was so obsessed with Black Widow, so obsessed, and he mm. thought that she was dead, or not dead, oh um, but yeah. just but just gone. He was, she, yeah. she, he was, she was completely out of his life. So he's moving on. But then she comes okay. back, yeah. and he's like, the love of my life has returned. I'm all about her again.
1: Ah, that makes more sense. Because to me, I hadn't I had read those issues, um, and so it just looks like he was like last, you know, last issue like I love Scarlet Witch and then oh Black Widow's here I love her too but <laughs> yeah. that makes more sense having no, that contact he's
0: head over heels for uh, Black Widow for sure and there's no context. Okay. anybody else uh, he doesn't even see anybody else now that she's back okay uh, on page um, 185 it's page 13 in this story in the last panel Wasp goes into the Avengers each HQ and he's and she says there's no one here but there must always be an Avenger on duty as our cardinal rule it's like that's not mm. actually a cardinal rule because <laughs> every issue that we see here all of the Avengers go on on every mission so there's often times right. that there's nobody on in the Avengers HQ
1: <laughs> right and that would be a really bad idea if you only have four members of your team right if you take away a quarter of your fighting power exactly at any given time <laughs> yeah maybe that worked earlier but not now
0: but I liked the character moment for Hawkeye at the end of this issue here because I really feel like this is where his story starts to change uh, because he mm-hmm. he, uh, he he feels bad that he messed up with Black Widow and Captain America says, there's nothing to say, fellow, we're all Avengers. And yes, uh, we're all Avengers, yes, but we're also human beings with feelings and emotion. And yep. and Hawkeye says to himself, that's the guy that I've been writing for months. I wish the ground could yep. swallow me up right now. And this is a, a good turning point for this character.
1: Yep, and it also, Further establishes Captain America as a good leader, yes. Um, which he's been kind of building towards, and it, it further's Hawkeye's develop like self awareness because previously when he messed, he forgot the password because he wasn't paying attention. He kind of had a self realization that he messed up there. So he's he's kind of this he repeatedly making mistakes but kind of acknowledging the fact that he's not perfect. That's right. Yep. Yep. And then the issue also concludes with um with Giant Man or excuse me, <laughs> Goliath, yep. um being very sad because he's stuck it. 10 feet tall which granted that would be a very difficult way to go through life but in the world of superhero comics where everything is hyperbolic and the other tragic figures we have are the Hulk who you know flips into a violent rage and turns into a monster or the thing who's this grotesque rocky abomination being just stuck being tall it doesn't Stan Lee writes it with the same level of like pathos but it doesn't <laughs> quite resonate as well I, I, uh, I didn't I, I can't say it, it convinced me of his uh, sadness I wouldn't want to be stuck at 10 feet tall. I don't blame him. but Well, I think part of
0: the reason here is that that's the reason why he retired. He retired so mm. that this wouldn't happen. Mm. And he was forced to get back into this situation kind of against his will because Jan was in trouble. And that's right. And now he's paying the price for it. That's
1: right. And the Avengers made him do that to prove he was really a uh, right, yeah. giant man. They said, no, you have to use your growing powers." All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... So, there's some, he, he might resent the Avengers for making him do that. Um, and I think even in his, um, the, not the, the team up issues of just him and the Wasp and Tales to Astonish, I think there was a few moments where he was kind of just like, I just want to be a scientist. And she was like, no, adventure is fun. Yeah, so, right. I, this is kind of an ongoing thing. And, and when we get to the West Coast Avengers later, there's at one point he's a member and he's not even like a superhero. He's that's just like right. a scientist. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it totally. kind of goes along with his character. Yeah.
0: Okay, last issue of what we're going to talk about today, issue number 30. Yes. Um, This is called The Frenzy in a Far-Off Land. You can take this one.
1: All right. So Frenzy in a Far-Off Land. So in this issue, Scarlet Witch uh, and Quicksilver go to Europe. Goliath flies south. Hawkeye goes on a solo adventure, um, and Black Widow's team of villains is still at large. So there's a lot of different plot points going on simultaneously in this issue. Yeah,
0: yeah. I found it interesting that they would all go in different directions, and especially Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch leaving the team. Do you know why they left the team? Uh, um,
1: like, they were they appearing in a different
0: book at this time? Like, I mean, the like the more of the behind the scenes reason why oh, they yeah. left the team. Oh
1: yeah. No. I don't know why I don't know if just in terms of the purpose of developing the story they just wanted to focus on just a few characters instead of having a giant roster I don't really know why if they appeared in the X-Men or something I I don't I I can't remember anything why and I don't think there actually is
0: yeah I wasn't sure it just seemed unusual because they're gone for a few issues and the reason that they leave comes out of the blue it's like oh we feel like our powers are disappearing and we've had no hints that that was happening up until this point. No. It just happens all of a sudden and then they leave. They come up with an excuse oh, maybe our powers will be restored if we go back to our homeland. I'm like, really? I, I guess maybe? Yep.
1: So Yeah, which has never really been the case before. Yeah. And and it, yeah, and, and you're right, they didn't I mean, Scarlet Witch's powers are always very incons- inconsistent, but that's always been the case. But it's not, I don't think there was any dialogue about Quicksilver slowing down. No,
0: there was never any hint of it. It just happens all of a sudden, and then they're gone. And uh, and then, yeah. like, when, when Giant Man comes back, I understand the reason for that. It's because Taylor of Astonish just boot him, booted him out of that book to make room for Submariner, so they want right. some place to keep these characters, so they're coming back to the Avengers. Right. So that makes sense from the mm-hmm. editorial yeah, side. of I don't, of things. I don't quite get
1: this one. But and, and then I, I also noticed that the uh, the art in this issue uh, was a little rougher than the last few, even though it's still it's being the inked the same, by yeah. Frank yeah. Giacoia. The same team, you know, still done on pencils, right? I, so I, I don't know if this issue is just more rushed than normal. Um, I'm not quite sure, um, but it, but it also. Together, it felt a little more thrown together. The plots are kind of all over the place. There's a billion different things going on, so I, I just get the impression that this issue was. I mean, and monthly comics are are you know hard, especially in the '60s when a penciler was penciling you know three four books a month. So I, I, this might have just been one of those issues that was running up against a deadline and things kind of got a little uh, mixed up.
0: I will say though that I did I did like the these um the people in the Forbidden Land and this world that they kind of create. Yeah, there. there's some cool costume designs and uh just the idea of them was nice cuz it's a nice just change of pace from the larger than life villains that we've been facing instead we have kind of a cult leader instead right. so i i do right. appreciate the variety that this provides
1: yes yeah i and i would agree there there's a lot of entertainment in this issue there's a lot of different things going on there's a lot of balls in the air but but i agree that was really cool we kind of had this uh this lost land you have this uh kind of crazy mag- like leader uh Kind of cult, cult leader figure, the keeper of the flame, and then you have his uh, an insurrection building against him, yeah, uh, and then the looming threat of this flame growing ever brighter. There's a, that's kind of a cool plot, and I agree, it's a very refreshing change away from just kind of villain of the month type of feel.
0: Yeah, but we still have to have our villain of the month, so we still have Power Man and Swordsman <laughs> and Black Widow. They're they're still there, which is kind of weird because I think that normally, um, they the Giant Man story could carry the whole issue, but they. Mm-hmm but Stan decides to just make it a subplot in a sense.
1: Yes, yeah, it it was um yeah it, it was a little unusual to see that, but maybe um you know maybe he wanted to make sure that there was those kind of big ticket supervillains um, making an appearance, and, and it does have some. I, I mean, it's I think it's I never really understand when characters do this. Even when I was a kid, I don't think I understood this when uh, a character is saying, "No, I have to go with this alone," and all the other heroes would be like, "I respect it's fine, we understand, <laughs> yes, yeah. to do it." It's I mean, he's he's really has the odds stacked against him, and he didn't know that. So in this issue, the Black Widow. So the, the brainwashing wears off and she kind of comes around and helps him. But he had no idea that was going to happen. Uh, Power Man is, has been shown to be strong enough to take on all of the Avengers. Um, so it's, uh, it's kind of outmatched in yeah. this fight
0: this is going to be kind of the start of Black Widow as a fairly regular character in the in the Avengers comics for quite a few issues coming forward. Um, she never, though, I don't think she actually joins the team at this point. She's still considered a villain.
1: No, I don't think officially, not until later, not until uh, much but she later. definitely shows up a lot. Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. Yep. Well, this is where we're going. Uh, we're going to stop here with this issue. And I think next week, in fact, we're going to continue to talk about the rest of this epic collection.
1: The reasons to check out the second half of this episode, I would say, are the fact that um, I think actually hex art looks incredible when he inks himself. It gets this really stylized, kind of raw, loose feel to it, and yes. I think it's really awesome. And there's also some really um, there's some really cool issues with the Serpent Society, more of this um, the Keeper of the Light stuff, and and it's it's there's some compelling stuff in the second half of this epic collection.
0: And Hercules, yeah, <laughs> <the> <laughs> Prince of Power, can't forget him. <laughs> cool okay well thanks everybody for checking this out and uh and we'll be back with part two of uh, epic collection number two next time so we'll see you then thanks